Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles tonight. Psalms chapter 8. Psalms chapter 8. And I, I go this direction because God began dealing with me uh, several months ago about going this direction. And... Uh, because there's revelations that belong to this era. You can go back through church history and you can see certain revelations that God brought to the forefront in seasons past and in decades and centuries past. When you look at somebody like Martin Luther, what was it? They had lost light of being born again. And he, God said, Martin, the just shall live by faith. And he saw that this new birth was a faith proposition. That it wasn't by works, it was by faith you move into, into oneness with God. And that was the truth brought to the forefront in his era. Then you have John Wesley's, and I, of course I skip over many of them, but John Wesley, without holiness no man will see the Lord. And uh, he brought about that it matters that, we, that since we're made righteous that we live righteous. Yes. Righteousness is not earned, but it is to be lived. Because he, Jesus made it a gift to us. And it does matter that we live it. And of course you go on over to, you come up to the healing revival. God was emphasizing healing. The charismatic revival. God was emphasizing the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And then during the word of faith, God was emphasizing faith. Why? Because Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? And uh, so there's revelations that belong to each era. And those of us in the ministry and those in the body of Christ during this hour, it is our job to hunger for those revelations and reach for them. Because God's not withholding them. They're in, they're in reserve for us. And so it's up to us to reach for those and uh, pray those out. And the authority that belongs to us in Christ is one of those. So uh, Psalms chapter 8 and verse 4 Psalm chapter 8, verse 4, it reads, What is man that thou art mindful of him? Now think of this. You're in the thoughts of God. His, his thoughts have you in them. He's mindful of us. And the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made, God has made man a little lower than the angels. And if you look in the... Uh, Hebrew, because the Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew, the word there is Elohim, and it's, it doesn't mean angels, it's God. So the correct translation says, for God has made man a little lower than himself, and has crowned him with glory and honor. Look at verse 6, God made man to have dominion over the works of his hands, God, God has put all things under man's feet. Yeah. Now we know Adam lost that, but Jesus got it back. Yeah. Right? But this phrase just keeps ringing out to me that God made man to have dominion. This, when you see this word dominion, you think of the word dominate. God made man to dominate, not to be dominated. 
And if we're being dominated by the circumstances of life, by the flow of the world, by things that the enemy's bringing against us, it's our own fault because we have dominion. And God did not make us to be dominated. He made us to have dominion. That's what fits us. And if we're not walking in our dominion, we're not being true to who we are. Dominion fits us. Being dominated does not fit us. I don't know about you, but this season of the last couple years has not fit us. Right? Just I'm not talking about spiritually. I'm just talking about as Americans. This does not fit. And trying to function under something that doesn't fit, something it, it, you feel cheated, you feel less than, you feel robbed from, right? Just because something doesn't fit us as Americans, right? But how much more so spiritually when God made us to have dominion and we're not walking in it, we're lit having things all around us that don't fit. Lack doesn't fit us. Symptoms don't fit us. A harassed mind doesn't fit us. Dominion fits us. Dominion is not a, a flow of your personality. It is a spiritual force. It's not based on your personality, whether you're aggressive, whether you're outspoken, opinionated, that's not the flow of dominion. <laughs> uh, this is an inward force. I've been around some precious people of God in my years. If I don't know if you've ever heard of a woman named Rachel Tifa Tiller. When she talked to you, she was very quiet. She was very spoken. But when she had the anointing come on her, I mean, she would bellow. I mean, it came out and no man could match her. <laughs> I mean, because there was a flow of that dominion that came out of her spirit that she took charge in those spiritual flows. And this is what we're made for, to take charge of cir opposing circumstances that come. Amen. Praise the Lord. Uh, it's part, this is so key, it's, it's part of our inheritance in Christ. And to enjoy all of our inheritance the flow of dominion must be in place or we'll never enjoy all that belongs to us in Christ. People won't enjoy health if they're not walking in dominion. People won't enjoy prosperity. They won't enjoy peace. They won't enjoy all the things that God's provided unless they're walking in their dominion. So these things hinge on that. And it's our responsibility to not just say, oh, it belongs to me. Then we have to become skillful with what belongs to us. I want to um, read something to you that Dad Hagen stated. He said, back in the 1940s, I asked myself the question, do we have authority that we don't know about, that we haven't discovered, that we're not using? He said, I had had little glimpses of spiritual authority once in a while. Like others, I had stumbled upon it and had exercised it without knowing or realizing what I was doing. I wondered, is the Spirit of God trying to show me something? So I began to study along this line, think along this line, feed along this line, and I began to see more and more light that we as a church have authority on the earth that we have never yet realized. Authority that we're not using. A few of us have barely gotten to the edge of that authority. 
But before Jesus comes again, now he's talking about us. Before Jesus comes again, there's going to be a whole company of believers who will rise up with the authority that is theirs. They will know what is theirs. And they will do the work that God intended that they should do. Why? Jesus told us in Matthew 18, 18, he said, Whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What's he telling us? That heaven will respond to earth's movement. That when you're acting on the word, when you're acting on what God has put in your heart, heaven will back you up. So we know this, things won't happen on the earth until the ones with authority on the earth do something. So much of the religious world is waiting on God to do something. But here Jesus let us know it's when earth does something. Someone with the authority on the earth has to do something. Then heaven will move in response to that. Heaven will back them up. Whatever you bind... We could say this because other translations say this, whatsoever you forbid. What you don't forbid has permission to stay. What you permit has the permission to be there. Whatsoever you bind, whatsoever you forbid shall be forbidden. That means heaven will back you up with power. Once you use your authority, the power will kick in. Amen. Amen. We don't have the power. We have the authority. God has the power. We have the authority. Now, don't misunderstand me. There is a flow of power that comes through our authority, but we have something backing up the use of our authority. I mean, um, how many times did your kids, did one of your children boss one of the other children? (laughs) They had no authority and no power. They just had imitating words. You can't deal with this with just imitating words. When you're faced with circumstances, you better know that you're in charge of what happens in your life. And so many are praying, asking God to do something, and he's waiting for them to bind things and loose things. With your own life, you're authorized to bind and loose anytime something violates you. Now, with someone else, you can't do that. You're going to need the leading of the Spirit to bind for somebody else. But you can always bind today in your life that which tries to intrude. Always. You don't have to wait for the Spirit to do something. When you see something try to get out of line, you are authorized to stand up and say, no, you don't. No, you don't. Well, Pastor Nancy, I've been backslidden a good number of years. What's that got to do with it? Get right with God and your authority works again. He'll back you up. I said he'll back you up. And what you've been putting up with, because you have everything you put up with. And once you decide, you know something, I'm tired of putting up with this. God will back you up when you start running it out. He'll back you up. We've seen parents that put up with stuff out of their kids. Seriously. I mean, we, we were flying here and we saw a child, we would say, It's a toddler, but that thing spread about four feet on the ground. 
laying on the ground at the check-in counter, kicking and screaming at the top of the lungs, and the mother just standing there, and I thought, I sure could help that woman. I sure could help that woman. That child is not the problem at all. Amen. The problem is the one standing there acting like they don't have a problem. Waiting for the child to grow up and behave themselves is what they're waiting on. So many Christians are just standing there while the devil's wreaking havoc and things, hoping that God will do something. And we're authorized. But once you decide, I've been letting things out, stay out of order too long, God will back you up. Whatsoever you bind, heaven will back you up. Whatsoever you loose, what about binding bad addictions? I bind that in my life. No, no more. No more. Bad habits. I bind that. And when it tries to resurface, no, you don't. You're bound. I have bound you. And heaven backs me up and gives me the power. I'm authorized. Whatsoever you bind shall be bound. Whatsoever you what? Loose. Some things will never reach your life that belong to you till you loose them. It was spoken by the prophets about Jesus that his entry into Jerusalem there at the end of his ministry. He'd be riding on a colt, right? The colt didn't show up. It didn't just automatically show up. Jesus said to his disciples, there's a colt tied up. He told them where it's at and told them how to unloose it. And if the owner says anything to you, tell them that the master has need of it. And once he hears that, he'll let it go. See, Jesus loosed things that heaven had said this is going to, this is to happen. There's the things of the plan of God. See, that was part of the plan of God. And it didn't just ha happen just because, he w because Jesus was on the earth. It happened because he used his authority yeah. to loose that thing. And the plan of God contains things, but they won't start moving in your life till you loose them. Yeah. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. <clears throat> we were made for dominion, but it doesn't matter that it belongs to us if we don't know how to use it. Lack of skill is what the devil is counting on to work his plan. He doesn't mind you having dominion so long as you're not skillful with it. Because it's equal to not having it. No Lack of skill is equal to lack of authority. Yet you have authority, but if we lack skill, it's as though we don't have any authority. Um, I don't remember the year. It would have been in the 1990s. My, uh, my husband scheduled in the Anaheim area, which is about an hour or so away from our, our location. He scheduled a miracle crusade for two nights. And the second night, he, um, he got up to preach, and he couldn't find the landing pad. Meaning this, he didn't know which direction God wanted him to go in the service. And that's what he'd call, I don't know where to land. So you, you don't try to land until you know where the runway is. You, you could crash into things, you know, if you, if, you, if you tried landing the wrong place. And so he had Brother Ray Jean Wilson was there. And he was singing, and so Ed was 
had his spiritual antenna up waiting, you know, to hear some clarity of direction for the service. And so Brother Ray Jean would sing a song and Ed would put up his finger at the end of that song. It means do another one. <laughs> and Ed kept doing six or seven times. The guys just keep singing solos. And finally he put up like the seventh time or so his finger again and, and he said, Doctor, I don't have any more. <laughs> so he pulled a little gal up and uh, to play the B3 organ. And the B3 organ has a separate speaker, a Leslie, that you can sit next to the organ. And she started playing that. And when she did, Ed got in the spirit and he saw a cloud start flowing out of that organ. And that cloud became more and more dense. And when it became fully dense, he saw a leg step out. And Jesus stepped out of that cloud and stood in front of him. And he spoke to him. And, you know, he says, you know, Dad Hagen would describe seeing Jesus like, you look in his eyes, it's like pools of liquid love. He said, that's not what I saw. <laughs> he said, fire shot out of it, lightning bolts shot out of his eyes at me and said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. And then he stepped back into the cloud, and that cloud went back into that organ, Leslie, and he was gone, and Ed's got to do a service. He was a little bit flustered. So he was dealing with Ed about, specifically, he was dealing with Ed about skill with the healing anointing. He had received a tangible healing anointing in his hand in 1971. So specifically, he was displeased about lack of skill with the healing anointing. But generally, Jesus was displeased with lack of skill. Now, you say, well, thank goodness that doesn't happen to me. He expects skill out of you too. Yes. Skill with your inheritance. Skill with your authority. Skill with the word. Skill with prayer. Skill in giving so that you don't Trip over it. Yeah. Skill in receiving so that the, devil's not robbed, the devil doesn't rob from you. All these things have skilled requirements attached to them. We live to the level of our skill. We don't live to the level just of our authority. Because you can have full authority but no skill. We live. Our life is a picture of our skill level. I mean, sport athletes will tell you. Some are more talented naturally than others, but others who don't have the same talent will be selected first over someone more talented. Why? Because they developed a skill that talent didn't give them. So it's not about, was I raised in a Christian home? It has nothing to do with it. Every single person has the skill level they desire. And so many think that it's all based on what God gives and it's really based on our skill to cooperate with the Word, cooperate with the Spirit, cooperate with our inheritance and what belongs to us in Christ. And I will say this, self-taught people are risky Christians. That's why you need a pastor. 
Otherwise, you're going to be left to be self-taught. Who wants to ride? Anybody want to come out and volunteer to ride on the freeway with a self-taught driver? No. <laughs> you want to get in their right. car? Self-taught driver? No. They're a risk to themselves and others. Anybody volunteer for the, for the, 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 the surgery where the doctor says, Oh, brother, my mama was a good teacher. She taught me real good. No, I don't want you taught at home. You better get around some high-level skill. That's what your pastor is, an example of high-level skill, not so that you are dismissed from having it. So many think if I can get to a good church and a good pastor, then they will help me. They'll help you have skill. They'll teach you, but the skill level's up to you. And you know something? You can't live off of another man's skill. You can only see the example set by the skill level of another man. Praise the Lord. So to benefit from our inheritance in Christ, we're going to have to be good students and not be okay with what, is, what just keeps going a particular direction in our life that we're not pleased with, right. that we're not, we're not satisfied with. It's a skill level. Yeah. Well, praise the Lord. I, Jesus used the phrase, everyone is not, I don't believe everyone's going to hear this. I heard somebody say the other day, every one of us will hear when we get to heaven, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I go, no, 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 I don't believe that. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. People hear that and they go, oh, yeah, that's me. I, I, I want to be faithful. Lord, I want to be faithful. Well, that's good. And that's right, but that's not what he listed first. Well done, thou good. Well done, thou good. He's not ta just talking about good behavior. Now, good behavior, it's real valuable. Your life will be sweeter. People will like you more. Well done, thou good. If a man hires you for a job, you only keep the job if you're good at it. No employer wants to keep paying employees who aren't good at the job. And when there comes cutback times, who leaves? Not the ones who are good at the job. Ones who were never developed. If somebody developed past them, the one with the lowest level skill is the one going to be laid off. Right. They might even be a favorite personality-wise and might even get to hang out with the boss and go play golf. But when it comes down to getting the work done, yeah. he's going to let go people who aren't good at the job. So when it says, well done, thou good and faithful servant, we could say it this way, well done, thou skilled and faithful servant. Nobody needs an employee that shows up faithfully without skill. They're faithful to do it wrong. They're faithful to leave things undone. They're, they're, they're faithfully, they, they're company people. They believe in that company. They respect their boss. But no matter how much you respect the boss, without skill, there's no advancement in the company. You can love Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. We should love him with everything. 
heart, soul, strength, mind, strength. Not just your might here, but strength of skill. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. That's fine, but I can't use you much without skill. You, your boss might really care about you, but without skill, he doesn't need you. Skill makes all the difference in the outcome of life. Praise the Lord. And uh, we don't just want to say, oh, I, I just want to be faithful, because that's what you hear. But the word here is well done now. Good is listed first. I need someone with skill, and then they're faithful to apply that skill. It doesn't say someone who's just faithful. Your boss did not hire you to help you. Your boss hired you to help him. Isn't that right? And if you're not helping him, he needs a new employee. I've had talks with my, my employees because we, we have a great, great, great in, 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 of 30 years there in loca that California location. Just we've, we've reached the, the gravy, so to speak, when it comes to the employees that God's mm -hmm. given us. We've, we've been able to have the time to train up people and raise up people, and they're moving so well together. But one of the things I say, it's not up to me to tell you to keep gaining skill in your department. It is up to you to be interested enough in the success of your department that you put, you make yourself a learner and not a leaner. That you're just leaning on somebody else, doing as little as you can to get by so that you can get a paycheck. Nobody needs somebody like that. And with... There's so much knowledge available easily at our fingertips. We can turn on the Internet and you can learn about any, any, any skill that you need. There's instruction on that. Right? How much more with all the, the conveniences we have today of learning the Word? I mean, you got your Bible on your, on your phone. You got your Bible on your iPad. You got your, Bible, you got your pastor's podcast. You got it all going. There's no reason for us not to increase in our skill level. What determines how much we increase? How interested are we? How interested are we? Well, praise the Lord. People are interested in being healed. People are interested in being rich. But if you're interested in those things, you have to be more interested in skill because that's the only way you arrive there. No one can give you their skill. You can have, if, you're, if your father was the world champion heavyweight boxer, and upon his death he leaves you the belt, you might inherit his possessions, but you'll never inherit his worth. You can't go and say, I got his belt, and walk in the rink. You're going to find out real quick it takes more than a belt. You got to have some skill holding that belt. Why? Because somebody else wants that belt. Let me tell you, somebody else wants your failure. And he's after it every day. 
He's got demons positioned around your life after your failure every day. What's the only thing that's going to make the difference? Your skill. Praise the Lord. I said praise the Lord. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 15, verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified that what? You bear much fruit. What's that mean? Skill. You can't bear much fruit just because you love the Lord. You can't bear much fruit just because you're, you attend church. You bear much fruit because you're skill level. Now, he's talking specifically about prayer, but of course we have to have skill in prayer. That's what, skill in all these different things that we're responsible for. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, turn with me, if you would, to Numbers chapter 14. Numbers chapter 14. We're going to start reading in verse 7 now. <clears throat> the, the, the spies had been sent to spy out the land. They come back. Joshua and Caleb have a good report. Joshua and Caleb came back talking this. It's a good land. Let's go up at once and possess it. The unskillful. Now, listen, these were the leaders. Uh, Moses didn't just pick 10 random men. The, t the, the, the 10 on the front row come up here. He selected the leaders of every tribe. Men who were supposed to uh, be skillful in the covenant. And he sent them to be, out, to be spies, and they came back talking about the giants, the problems. When you talk about problems, that shows lack of skill on your part. When you talk about everything that's opposing you, when your mouth is filled with the negative, that's lack of skill. Praise the Lord. Numbers chapter 14, verse 7. So here the, uh, the doubting spies came back and said, Well, there's giants in the land. We were in our side as grasshoppers. We were as grasshoppers in their side. We can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb stilled the people and said, it's a good land. We can do it. Let's go up, notice this, at once. At once. One thing about skill is it doesn't give the enemy margin. It moves at once. When it knows what it's to do, it moves at once. Numbers 14, verse 7, And they, speaking of Joshua and Caleb, spake unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then He will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land. Look at this. They are bread for us. Their defense is departed. And the Lord is with us. Fear them not. This is right thinking. Skill in the face of adversity. Skill in the face of adversity thinks right. If the devil can get you thinking wrong, he'll whip you just on the basis of your thought life. 
They came back with words in their mouth that were against what God said because they thought wrong. Lack of skill in the mental arena. When worry comes, you better have some skill. When fear shows up, you better have some skill. You say, well, how do I do it? That means you don't lay down to it. You take your stand against it. You don't just wait until things feel like they they got out of your way because they're not getting out of your way. So here, I love this. They said their defense is departed from them. What's that mean? God's not fighting for them. He's with us. They have no defense. When we go after them, they got nothing that's going to work against us. Now, you'll remember that years later, because they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness after this, but then when, when uh, Joshua was at the helm and Moses was gone, you'll remember Joshua sent in two spies and Rahab the harlot took them in. She hid them. When they were being searched for, she hid them. She hid them on the roof of her house. While they're up there on the roof and she's hiding them, they're, peop- they're in the process of searching for them. She says, we heard about what God did for you at the Red Sea. When we heard it, our hearts melted within us. What's that mean? Their defense had departed. They said our strength left us. What's that mean? God disarmed them before God's people were ever getting there. If they would have showed up, they wouldn't have had to waste 40 years and not occupying. But because they waited 40 years, you know what they did? They gave 40 years for those enemies, to, those enemy armies to strengthen themselves. For 40 years, now they're strengthening against them. And Rahab, Rahab the harlot said, our, our hearts melted within us. So on the backside, God was already taking away all of the effectiveness of their enemy. All they had to do was show up. When you show up with your authority, power has already dealt with the backside of things. Don't say you can't have that house if power's already picked out a house for you. It's already working on the backside. I said it's already working on the backside. Somebody, you got a phone there, love? Or an iPad. Let me see an iPad. Can I see this iPad? See this iPad? This is the front side. This is the user side. This is the back side. Users don't go there. The genius is not in the front side. The genius is in the back side, the building, the circuit board. All the technology is there. That's why they give you the bright, happy screen to work on to keep the user on the front side. Because you're not skilled enough wow. to go to the back wow. side. You're on it. That's it. The plan of God for your life, God has already completed the back side and hands you the front side, the bright, happy side. It says all you got to do is punch what you're supposed to punch. Type in the right thing. You see the back side of it, don't take off the back. No. <laughs> you can't get it back on right. 
You know what mental reasoning is? You taking off the backside and trying to insert your opinion, your preference. Your, you're not equipped for the backside. You don't have the genius for it. God is the genius for the backside of your of the plan of your life. When you before when you when you bought this, Pastor, when you bought this, you hadn't even turned on the front side, but the back side was already completed. Before you ever got born again, the backside was already completed of all God planned for your life. All the provision, all the equipment, all the right people for your life. It was already completed. And that's what God was telling them. I've already, I've already, this is, Joshua Caleb said, their defense is departed. Why? God's already completed the backside of our victory. All we have to do is show up and punch the right buttons on the front side. So good. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Lack of skill thinks that the backside is only equal to the front side. My, uh, my son, Stephen, all of his life he took off the backside. <laughs> he still does. But he's got skill that not too many people I've ever seen have. My daddy was like that. My daddy could make anything, build anything. And you, have, you, you may know somebody like that. Believe God for one of them in your family. <laughs> because they can do anything. It's amazing. <laughs> I just call him for anything. Because even if he doesn't know how to do it, he will research it. And it clicks with his way of thinking. I can research and go, I still don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> but his way of thinking, the way he processes things, it works. He was 12 years old. My Ed had just bought him a, um, a motorcycle that went off-road. What do you call those? I don't know. Dirt bike. Dirt bike thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and um, my parents were there visiting. They had been there a couple of days, and Ed brought in this dirt bike. Stephen. My dad wakes me up early one morning because my dad is early riser. And he comes up and he says, Nancy, he's a farmer, you know. He can do, he, he can build anything, fix anything. He comes up and says, Nancy, you need to come down to the garage. I go, ah, oh, shoot. <laughs> this does not sound good. I go down to the garage and laying out on the entire garage floor is every single piece taken off that dirt bike. Nothing was left assembled. Not one screw, not one bolt, not one thing was assembled. Everything was disassembled. Daddy said he will never get that back together. By 5 o'clock, every piece wow. was back together. Wow. Why? He has the born-in ability, yes. and they're just an interest. Yes. But let me just tell you, no matter how interested you are in the plan of God, you ain't got it for the backside. Well, all right. That's right. All right. Good. God has completed the backside of the plan, and, he, and the front side to be fulfilled is going to call for your skill to meet his skill. You can't float into God's best doing nothing, being half interested, half hearted. We have to be interested, yes. skillful. Yes. I don't know if I told this here before, but I, I love this thing because it's 
it stirs you up. There was this one minister, a friend of ours, that was invited to preach in a foreign country. And they were having a big arena, and uh, he was the guest minister, the keynote speaker for that, that crusade. Hundreds, thousands of people there. And uh, there was a preacher section. So during all the preliminaries, they're singing and doing all the stuff that we normally do in our meetings. He's just sitting there waiting for his time to come up. And while he's sitting there, Jesus appears in front of him. Jesus walks over to the minister section. And this minister is watching this whole scene play out. There's 120, I think 122 ministers there, husbands and wives. They have promoted the meetings. They have brought workers from their church to be the ushers and the, to help serve in the meetings. They've brought their congregation members. They're attending. So Jesus walks up to each couple and says, this is Pastor such and such and his wife. This is the city they pastor in and tells the name of their church. And then he, after he'd introduce them to this minister, he'd say, and they're not interested. Then he'd walk to the next couple, introduce them, gave them the name, the city they were from, the church name, and said, and they're not interested. That's how he, f he would finish. He would note their interest level. He said out of 122 couples, only about there were only three of them, Jesus said, they're interested. Now, because they're interested, I have something more for them. Wow. So when you get up here, you pull out these three, I have something more for them. Skill shows interest. Lack of skill shows lack of interest. And we have to stir ourselves up. Because if, not, if we're not careful, we're only skillful with what we can see, what we can count, what we can calculate, that natural. God wants us to be interested in what we can't see, our dominion, our authority, our inheritance in Christ. Because if we'll be skillful with that, that, that will become visible in our lives. So I'm here tonight saying, I'm Pastor Nancy Dufresne. Murrieta, California, World Harvest Church, and I'm interested. I'm interested. We need to come with Pastor Jordan every day. Every time we come to church, Pastor, I'm interested. I'm not. Now, notice this. These pastors were present. These pastors had included workers. These pastors had invited their congregation. But to Jesus, that wasn't interested. Just showing up is not always interest. Just sitting in a chair is not always interest. You know what interest is? When Paul said, I press toward the mark. Yes. Yes. It's a pressing. Yes. It's a going against my flesh. It's a going against the world. It's a going against the devil. I'm pressing. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. Praise the Lord. So they said, notice this again in verse 9, only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bread for us. What do you eat with bread? What do you do with bread? Eat you it. eat it, baby. <laughs> and the hotter the bread, the better it tastes. Yeah. Nobody wants cold bread. <laughs> Whenever we have an event, I say, I tell the workers, don't you ever serve cold bread at the table. Don't you ever serve cold bread. Why? Because we want hot bread. Don't wait till the devil is cool toward his activity. When he's breathing hot and threatening, that's the time to eat, baby. That's the time to go after it. It goes down better. Go ahead. Opposition. 
is supposed to be food for you. Yes. What does it mean? Wow. It will strengthen yes. a spiritual might on the inside of you like just favorable circumstances won't bring to you. Don't misunderstand me. God's not sending you opposition. But when the devil sends it, make it your diet. I, I so love, I so love um, Sister Lillian B. Yeomans. She made, she was a medical doctor that was healed, raised up off of her deathbed. And so from then on, she, she went to preaching divine healing and preached divine healing, left her medical practice and preached divine healing for 45 years. She was teaching. She was an instructor at Amy Simple McPherson's Bible School as well as others in Southern California. And one of the students one day asked her, because they knew she had a medical past, and they said, is there a particular diet you believe in? She said, absolutely, a diet of giants. <laughs> Just eat up everyone that comes your way. And she said, and you will grow spiritually robust. Why? Because if they're bred for us, there's a nourishment that comes with facing something skillfully and winning. I want to read to you. And so it's not the giant that's the problem. It's not knowing how to eat it. How do you eat something? You better open your mouth. Nothing, nothing is eaten with your mouth closed. You have to say something. You have to exercise your dominion and exercise your authority. You speak to that thing and you eat that thing away. Let me read you something that was written. In the 1900s, a dictator, and I know the countries, but I want to be friendly and not say the countries. <laughs> In the 1900s, a dictator of a large country grew tired of tolerating the existence of a small country along its border. So the large country political leaders decided to crush it. So with 120,000 soldiers and 1,000 artillery pieces, they readied themselves to invade this small country. But the small country knew their plan, and they prepared. And because of that, they were undisturbed. Their generals were competent, their borders were fortified, and their people were ready to fight and die for their homeland. As bombs began to fall on this small country and enemy military divisions began crossing the border, a private soldier walked up to his, military, to his commanding officer and he asked this question. Commander, they are so many and our country is so small. Where are we going to find room to bury all them? <laughs> His skill was not just in his weapon, it was in his thinking. A renewed mind is a skilled thought life. A worried mind is, shows and reveals lack of skill. So every place you're worried about, now you have an assigned a location of what needs to be addressed in your life. Everyone is tempted with worry, but if it gets in, but if it gets in, yes, right. it's not about getting the devil out. It's about bringing, about bringing up your skill level. Yes. Yes. What's it say over in Psalm 23? Thou preparest a table before me. Where? In the presence, in the presence of what? Mine enemies. 
Notice, when God prepared the table, he didn't run out the enemies. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Why? Because they're a non-threat yeah. to someone who's skilled at staying at the table. Yeah. What's the table? The table of the word. Yeah. You're occupied. You're focused yeah. on what the word says and on what God says. And all the ranting and the raving of what's present, you're, not, you're, 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 you're just skillful at ignoring it. Praise the Lord. Wouldn't we say that David faced Goliath with skill? Young kid, teenager. They say he's in about 17 years old or so. How did he have the skill to face a Goliath? Because when another giant came, a lion and a bear, he, he said he went after him. Not only that, one of them had, the bear had gotten hold of the, 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 the sheep in its mouth. He said, he went and took it out of its mouth. He wasn't just standing off and poking at it with a stick, you know, from a distance. He got up and went after that thing because he ate that giant. He faced that opposition. It prepared him to face Goliath. Everything that comes against you, Use it to prepare for your advancement. Good. Good. Now, he's defending sheep that are not even his own. <laughs> they belong to his daddy. I don't know about you, but if I was like, like Daddy, <laughs> you got things out here after your sheep. You need to come deal with them. He didn't run to Daddy when the lion showed up. He didn't run to daddy when the bear showed up. He didn't run to pastor and say, pastor, yeah. what should I do? Right. Pastor, would you pray? Mm-hmm. Are those things okay? Not for someone who should be fighting their own and eating right. their own giants. There's a time when your pastor helps you. There's another time you need to be eating your own giants. Yes. He didn't run and ask for help. So when he saw Goliath, his mindset was completely different. Why? Because he knew that he was taking every opportunity to gain skill. And when he showed up on the battlefield, God's army, the Israeli army, was hiding. They don't train soldiers to hide. They train them to take cover at certain times, but not to hide so that they don't have to fight. David comes up. And he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that mocks the armies of God? Skill is remembering the right thing. Skill will remember what God said to you. Skill will remember what the word said. It's lack of skill to lay down what God said when, when opposition shows up. Let me just tell you this. Every time opposition shows up in your life, something's going on the chopping block. Mm. And as a past, and having pastored for 25 years, I have so often seen people put the plan of God on the chopping block oh. and let it be chopped away just so that they could stay comfortable. Wow. I've seen it time and time again. I've seen them separate from the church they were supposed to be in. Now, don't misunderstand me. I don't believe in telling people every time you leave your church, Someone leaves it that's bad or wrong. 
Most of the time it is, but <laughs> I'm not talking about that. When somebody is supposed to be there, but pressure came. Family members, best friends were going to another church. What are you going to do at those times? What goes on the chopping block for you? Because sometimes you may have to put friends on the chopping block and say, they're going a different direction than me. I'm not separating from the plan of God for me. I don't care I've been friends with them for 20 years. The plan of God doesn't go on the chopping block for me. It's called skill. Remembering the right thing in the face of opposition. Because that army didn't remember the right thing. They were hiding. But David remembered the right thing. And he brought his skill. It's amazing because you think about it that King Saul was willing to turn the destiny of a nation over to a teenager. What's wrong with his skill level? That's frightening. Just goes to show this though. That God doesn't have to have an old person to win things. Young people, your faith can win today. You can develop skill today. You don't have to live under the umbrella of somebody else's faith. Amen? Um, Dad Hagen tells the story of... Of course, when he traveled years ago, he drove most of the time. Earlier on in his ministry, he'd drive all over the country. And there was about a 10-day tour that he was going to do to a few different churches. And uh, this one pastor asked to go with him. And so he said, yes, you can go with me. Well, this pastor had uh, he'd been a diabetic for decades and he got in the car to go with Dad Hagen. And when he got in the car, Dad Hagen said, as long as you're with me, your, your, your sugar level will be what it's supposed to be. You'll never have to use insulin yeah. when you're with me. Yeah. Why? Now, Dad Hagen doesn't have authority over anybody. But when that person got on his domain, yeah. he was in his territory. Yeah. Brother Hagen had such skill that if you had a struggle, you had to leave that outside his domain. Yeah. He wouldn't let things that troubled you in his domain. And that man said that whole trip, he ate all the desserts. He ate all of everything. He said his, his number count was perfect. He never had to have insulin the whole time. And it was 11 days after he got home before he started registering sugar. Why? Just the momentum of having been around someone skillful in their authority, skillful in their dominion. And he realized if he could do that for me while I'm in his presence, I can do it for my life. And he started applying his faith. And after decades, he was completely delivered from that. If we're not careful, we just lay down our skill in the face of what we're used to. People have had it, that difficulty for so long, they just get used to it. And they quit using their skill with it. But that's what I'm talking about. A skill that didn't just, uh, Dad's Hagen skill didn't just bless him. It blessed those around him. When we lack skill, it doesn't just affect us. It affects those around us. When we have skill, it doesn't just bless us. It blesses those around us. Remember what? Jesus, I said that Jesus said when fire shot out of his eyes at my husband, he said, you're not being skillful with the healing anointing. 
Afterwards, Ed was talking about it on the way home. We had about an hour and drive. He said, I, I don't know what he's talking about. I said, well, I may not understand everything he's talking about, but I can tell you this. <laughs> I said, it's been several years since I've seen you lay hands on the sick. Oh. No, that's not true. I said, mm, it's true. It's true. He didn't realize that some things had slipped. What has slipped in your life? What have you let things get by with? Because of lack of skill, people who could have been healed weren't. People who should have been healed weren't. When we lack skill, somebody else pays the price. Amen? Because somebody's going to need your faith. Somebody's going to need what you know about the word. Amen? And what a privilege to help people. When we're like that. Then I'll close with this. Dr. Summerall was pastoring in South Bend, Indiana, I believe about in uh, the 40s or 50s. And God spoke to him after a Sunday morning service. He was upstairs getting ready for his evening service, and God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to the Philippines, and I'm going to do more for you there than I've ever done for you anywhere else. He came down and told Sister Summerall, she's making lunch, and he said, uh, God spoke to me that he's sending us to the Philippines. And she looked up and tears were in her eyes, you know, because it's a, it's a bit of a news release yeah. there. And she said, well, when are we going? It said, when are you going to tell the people? He said, tonight. When are we going? Tomorrow. <laughs> wow. And he made this statement. He said, when God tells me to go somewhere, I don't wait for the sale of property or a home to, t to give me permission. I go where God tells me to go. I don't yeah. wait for things to give me permission to obey God. And so he picked up and he went there, and for the first six months, he would minister on the, on the streets even, trying to just get the attention of somebody. People would say they got saved. He'd ask for their name, their address, and when he'd get to that address, it's the bogus address. Mm -hmm. He did that for the first six months. He said after six months, it was just him and his family sitting there, passing the offering bucket, passing the same $20 around probably, you know. <laughs> and at, the, at that time, God spoke to him and said, I want you to build an auditorium that seats 10,000 people. He said, God, I can't even get in the front row field. And he said, you don't have faith. He said, bless God, I do have faith. You know, if you ever heard Dr. Summerall... <laughs> And so he made steps to do that and bought an old World War hangar and built it out and seated it, had it set up for 10,000 people. In the midst of all of that, he's listening to the radio one day, and there came on an announcer and said, if you have a weak heart, turn down the radio. So he reached over and turned it up. <laughs> His own testimony. And they said, there is a girl that they picked up. She's 17 years old. They picked up for prostitution. And every time they, when, once they brought her into the prison, something started biting her. Demons would manifest, I mean, physically bite into her flesh. They could see it into her flesh, bite marks and torture her. And she's screaming at the top of her lungs. And uh, they were concerned about her because they didn't know what to do with her. One of the doctors came in and said, she's faking. And she said to him, you'll die. And within 24 hours, he is dead. Wow. 
a guard came in and hit at her. And she said, you'll die. And in 24 hours, he's dead. So they're afraid of her because everything she says comes to pass. Why? A demon's working, you see. So they said, they, they played, they put a microphone in her cell and heard her screaming. And then they said, if there's anyone that can help us, come help us. And, of course, there was a Catholic church there. There were other denominational churches there. It's not like it's an unchurched right. island. Yeah. There's teaching and churches there. And when he got fin finished listening to that, God spoke to Dr. Summer and said, go set that girl free. Wow. He said, get somebody else. <laughs> Why? He's only been there six months. There's, there's been people who have been here for generations. Christians, preachers, churches. He's thinking, get something that's been established here to go minister to her because they have a better chance of even being let, allowed in to the prison. So he said, get somebody else and listen to what God said. I don't have anyone else. Now, didn't he have other Christians? Yes. What's he talking about? I don't have anyone with the skill to deal with that demon. That's what he's talking about. Just because you're saved doesn't mean we have skill. Skill matters. I said skill matters. Skill in your office. Skill as a pastor. Skill as a minister. Skill with when something comes against your mind. Listen, I've been through those seasons where the torment on the mind, the bombardment to where you feel like you can't even function. And I'm living with a man who's got a strong anointing and God says, don't pray for her. Why? He says, she's got, to, she's got to get this on her own. And I'm so glad I have. Because now, anytime something comes, I got the skill. I needed the skill more than I needed the deliverance. Why? Because once I got the skill, nothing I need deliverance for. God will not turn you into a leaner. Don't take the position of a leaner needing somebody. Eat up the giants. Everything that comes your way, take your place. Use your authority. So Dr. Summerall goes in to the mayor. They had to go to get permission from the mayor for someone to enter, especially an American. They didn't want an American dying at her word. Then, they, then it becomes a big political thing, right? So he went into the mayor, and the mayor said, I'll give you permission on one condition. I go in with you. He wanted to see this. <laughs> Dr. Summerall goes in, and he takes authority over that demon, and she goes unconscious, just <laughs> And uh, goes like a comatose state. The doctor said, it'll be, it'll be 24, 48 hours before she comes around. That's what happens. He said, oh, no, it won't. He grabbed her by the by the shirt, picked her up and go, bam, right upside her head. He said, you come back now. And she came back. Authority. What was the devil trying to do? He was trying to take charge of that. Just by her passing out. See, this is what authority does. It recognizes I'm in charge of everything. Everything. So he, he when he... She came to, and she started cursing God in English, but she didn't know English. What is that? That's a demon. Yeah. 
So what did skill do? Dr. Summerall listed all the attributes of God. Mm. He didn't just say, shut up. He, lit, he answered it. Then that demon in her cursed Jesus, and he listed all the attributes of Jesus. See, that skill. He remembers what to say. Then that demon cursed the blood of Jesus. And so he listed all the attributes of the blood, of what it would work for somebody. Then he cast that devil out of her, and she came free. And then he turned to her and he said, that devil will try to come back. And when it does, you tell it, no, you don't. In the name of Jesus, you leave me. He couldn't stay there with her. She did, he got her born again. The day she gets saved is the day she gets delivered. That night, she's laying in bed and that spirit comes back through the window and starts getting a physical hold on her again. And she called out to the garden. She said, Quick, 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 what did the preacher tell me to say? And he remembered and wow. told her, and she said it, and that demon left. Why? You don't have to know three-fourths of the Bible. You don't have to have walked with the Lord. Once you're born again, authority is yours. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter how long you've broken fellowship with God. Once you come back into fellowship, your authority works. But I will say this. Remember what it says in James. Submit to God. Resist the devil. Then he'll flee. You can't be living your own life, doing what you want, live any way you want, and think your authority is going to work. You have to obey the one your authority comes from. How do we submit to God? What's he dealing with you about? Well, you know, I'm just doing the Bible. No, 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 no. Yes, we need to do the Bible, but it's vast, and you're not doing all of it today. <laughs> What do I do to submit to God? What's he dealing with you about? What is he? Everyone, every one of us in here, God's dealing with us about something every day. Why? Because he's endeavoring to bring us further. There's never a time in your life he's not dealing with something. Now, if you want your authority to work, you're going to have to accommodate him, work with him, agree with him, submit to what is he dealing with you about? Because you try to resist devils when you're resisting God and it won't work. Your resistance of the devil only works when you're submitted to the one who empowers you. So you can't live any way you want. And then think that I'm going to resist this. It won't work. Uh, obedience is the place where your authority is uninterrupted. So he cast the devil out of that girl. That night, she resisted, just got born again that day, and her authority worked. She ended up becoming the wife of a pastor. Isn't that? Why? Because one man knew his authority, but it doesn't end there. The whole island heard about it, and they had a revival. 100,000 people got saved in a six-week period. Why? Because one man was skillful with his authority. Just think if every Christian was skillful with their authority, what this earth would look like, what their home would look like, what their health would look like, what their finances, what their children would look like. Your children are a picture of your authority. How well are you using it? You see. 
And so notice this, God needs your authority. He needs your authority. We went, to doc, we went with Dr. Sumrall to Israel. There were um, over 600 pastors that went with us on that trip. We were on Dr. Sumrall's, you know, they would all go on different buses, and we were on Dr. Sumrall's bus, and he came and told us the story of what happened that morning. Ed and I were there listening to him, and uh, there was a pastor who had just gotten married, and he had a large church. He was in his late 20s at the time. He'd just gotten married. They'd been married less than a year. But his wife, from the time, for, for years, um, periodically she would have headaches worse than migraines. She'd just sit on the side of a bed and hold her head and just scream. She could not function when these things would get hold of her. And um, the only way they could get her any relief is they didn't give her pain meds. They had to take her to the hospital, and they'd just have to knock her out. She'd be out for days. That was the only way she could get through that. So they get to Israel the first day we arrive there, and one of these things attack her. She's sitting on the side of the bed in that hotel room just holding her head and screaming. So the pastor calls Dr. Sumrall, and Dr. Sumrall was his pastor. So he said, Dr. Sumrall, before you leave this morning, could you come to the hotel room and pray for my wife? He said, yes, I will. He told, her, told him what the situation was. So she's sitting on the side of the bed screaming when, he, when Dr. Summerall is coming down the hall. He knocks on the door. They open up the door. The moment the door opens, all the pain stops. Wow. Why? Authority had an open door. He didn't even have to come in and say anything. He didn't have to pray anything. He didn't have to lay his hand on her. Why? The devil that was harassing her recognized a greater authority, skilled authority. Well, I, I want you to know this. Every one of you have greater authority than the devil. But he can't have more skill in you, in your life. You better be the one in charge. You better. So just when they opened the door, he left her alone. And then he went in there and he spoke to her. But the thing is, is that just him being present. When you walk in your authority, things won't even come to challenge you wow. when you're skilled. John Osteen talks about how he saw one day in the spirit realm and he saw a neighborhood and he saw a band of demons and there was a commander of that band. They were walking down the street together. The commander would say, that commanding demon would say, Two of y'all go in that house. Hmm. Two of y'all go in this house, and they go through a neighborhood and just do a, just infiltrate. And they walked by one house, and the demon said, well, don't you want us to go in that? And he says, you don't want to go in that because <laughs> you will flee in terror if you go in that place. Isn't that what it says? Yeah. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. They know who walked in their authority, and they knew who didn't. Your kids know which parent walks in authority. <laughs> That's right. And your kids know which parent doesn't. <laughs> they know who to go to. They know who they can get things by. Demons know that. They need to know something about you. You got skill. Amen. Are you helped tonight? 
you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.